0: Let me ask you if you would agree with me today that we live in a world that we might say is, in many ways, to many degrees, besieged, by fear. I see a lot of nods out there today. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. People are afraid today. Uh, We're afraid of the virus. We're afraid of what our economy is going to do. Maybe we're afraid of what our new president's gonna do. Maybe we're afraid to get the vaccine. Maybe we're afraid if we don't get the vaccine. We're afraid of the future, at least uncertain about what the future We're surrounded every day by what seems to be bad news about something. And so we worry and we find ourselves kind of gripped with fear sometimes in the midst of all the uncertainty. Well, here's the big idea. Here's the life changing truth. The one thing that we surely want to get from the message from God's word today Surely the thing that we want God to reveal to us the most today is that in Christ we have come to know a God of good news. Amen? A God who reigns over our fears and in Christ we experience a love that casts out fear. Let me say that again. That in Christ we have come to know a God of good news. A God who reigns over our fears. And in Christ, we experience a love that casts out fear. Would you agree with that today? We can anchor on that, can't we? Because that is true, because that is life-changing, because that is awesome in the midst of all the uncertainty. It's like the verse in Scripture where it says, the Holy One of Israel was in our midst. That is how God is in our midst, reigning over our fears. And through our relationship with Christ, having a relationship and experience that cast out fear. So we have everything up on the screen today, and we're gonna be in the book of 2 Kings. It's probably been a little while since you read from the book of 2 Kings, right? <laughs> and you may need some help even finding 2 Kings. It's not as far over in the Old, in the Old Testament as, as Psalms, but if you go to Psalms and go back left, Uh, past 1st and 2nd Chronicles, you'll come to 1st and 2nd Kings. Make sure you come to 2nd Kings, not 1st Kings. And 2nd Kings chapter 7, we're going to look at verses 3 through 14 today. This is a very interesting story. A very awesome story of the truth of how God works in times of uncertainty, in times of crisis, in times of trouble. And in times where we we wonder where God is, we wonder where he's gone. In fact, he hasn't gone anywhere. He's where he always was, always has been. But this is an incredible story of how God is at work in some of the most hopeless, helpless situations that we could imagine. Samaria is being besieged by the Armenians. And the king of Aram is very angry, particularly with a prophet named Elisha. Not Elijah, but Elisha. Because Elisha is talking about the sin of God's people in this time. The sin of God's leaders in this time. And he has a lot of people kind of upset with him. There is contained in, this, in these couple of chapters here a very sad story about how the city of Samaria was, under, was going through a great famine. It was so severe that um, it would take about uh, 50 shekels, I think it says in our scripture, to buy the, the head of a donkey, which would be like a year's wages to eat. It would take a month's wages to buy, this isn't very appetizing, I know for your lunch later, but to buy a fourth of a piece of dove dropping. There's a very sad and horrifying story in the background of this, where two mothers agreed to eat their own children, and the second mother hid her child. And the king was just so distraught over this that he that he tore his robe and he, he was just wandering around his city, wondering, what, what do we do? There's just no hope in this situation. But God spoke through the the prophet Elijah to remind the people that not only was he aware of what they were going through, he was at work in what they were going through. And even the incredible prophecy that by this time tomorrow, you could buy all the flour you want for a mere shekel. All the food you want for a mere shekel. Now just imagine, you're going through a time where you are starving so in such a worse way, in such a bad way, that you don't even know where the next spoonful of food is coming from. And here's this wild-eyed prophet saying, you know, tomorrow, for Shekel, you'll be able to buy all the food you want. We'd probably kind of wonder about that, wouldn't we? So it was that kind of time in the background of our scripture today. And so we pick up with verse 3 of 2 Kings chapter 7. Now, in the midst of all of this that we just described, there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another, what, why, why do we stay here? Why do we sit here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, then the famine is in the city and we will die there. And if we sit here, we will also die. Now, therefore, come and let us go over to the camp of the Arameans, what an idea. And if they spare us, we will live. If they kill us, we will not die. They're like, what do we have to lose? Then they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Arameans. And when they came to the outskirts of the camp of the Arameans, behold, behold, there, that, that there was no one there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and the sound of horses, even the sound of a great army. So they said to one another, behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the king of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come and to come upon us. Therefore they arose and they fled in the twilight and they they left their tents and their horses and their donkeys, even the camp uh, just as it was and fled for their life. And when the lepers came to the to the outskirts of the camp, they, they entered one tent and they entered another and drank and they entered from there um, and they drank more. They, they took gold and clothes and they went out and, and they returned and entered another tent, carried away for them that day and, and on and on they went through the tents just taking all the spoil. They, but then in verse 9, i a little trouble reading mine up here in the light but they said to one another why are we are not doing right for this is a day of good news but we are keeping silent and we wait and if we wait until morning light punishment will overtake us now therefore come and let us go and tell the king's household well as you might imagine when the king heard the news that there was this camp just laid waste with all the horses and donkeys and food and weapons and everything you could imagine, everything you so desperately needed. As we read on, he said to himself and, and his servants, this must be a trap. They know how desperate we are, so when we leave our city, they will come and they will kill everyone in our city. But they were hungry enough. They thought, let's take the last five horses left. Literally, it says Five. Uh, Let's go investigate, what what do we have to lose? And sure enough, when they went, the news, the report of the four leprous men was exactly true. They went and plundered the camp. And in the midst of this, there was a royal official, who at the beginning, and then it mentions again at the end of the story, who when he heard Elisha uh, prophesy that, that the very next day everything would be changed, he said to him, even if God could open the windows of heaven, there's no way that this could ever happen. And Elijah said, you'll see it, but you'll not eat and your life will be taken. Well, that's exactly what happened in this incredible story here in 2 Kings 7. There's four things we want to think about today. In the most uncertain times, you haven't, have you gone through any uncertain times lately? God always does what? Help me out here. Always keeps his promises, right? In the most threatening times, God can turn even our feeble steps of faith into the sound of what? A mighty army. In the most trying times, have you had some trying times? God turns our emptiness into fulfillment. And in the most hopeless times, God desires to make his blessing and his message known. Here are truths and principles that we can absolutely claim right here today, right in the midst of all that we're going through in our lives and our world. In the most uncertain times, God always keeps his promises. You know, I think one of the things that that I've become more aware of, I think maybe learning over and learning in a deeper, stronger way, is that especially in the last year, I need to look for the promises of God. I mean, because I hear bad news every time I turn the news on. I hear people all around me worried about what's going to happen. I ask for God's help. I ask for God's strength. But I've come to realize that I'm really not looking for God's promises because his promises do not change according to circumstance, do they? His promises are true. As someone said, it may, it may seem that God is slow sometimes, but he's, but, he's, but he's always on time, okay? This was no surprise to our Lord God, what we were, were going through in this last year and in our world and all of that. And so when I look to the promises of God, right away, I come face to face with the God who made that promise, Amen. So my relationship with him grows deeper because I learn something not only about what he's promised, but of the God who made this promise. And when I embrace the promise, I find my hope. I find my answer, don't I? And in this story in 2 Kings 7, the promises of God are like bookends. In the beginning, God is saying to his people, I've got this. I've got this. I haven't forgotten you. Tomorrow you have all the flour and food you want. And then at the end, he reinstates his promise again. I still got this. And now, this day, you see the promise fulfilled. There's something I think really awesome about the promises of God. The promises of God go before me in whatever situation or circumstance I'm in. The promises of God go with me in that circumstance, and the promises of God do what? They follow me in that circumstance. And the promises remain true. The promises remain what I can trust in and know that God always keeps his promises. Let me refer you a verse from Joshua 21. It says, so the Lord gave Israel all the land which he had sworn to give to their fathers, and they possessed it and they lived in it. And the Lord gave them rest on every side. According to all he had sworn to his fathers, and no one of all their enemies stood before them, the Lord gave all all their enemies into their hand. And then listen to this. Not one of the good promises which the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. All his promises came to pass. Um. I've, got, I've had this little book for a while. It's a book of God's promises. And if you, if you ever have a chance, check it out and get, get a promise book. Because it has all the different topics and all the promises that relate to them. Let me ask you, let me give you a little test here, see if you can come close to the figure. How many promises do you think are in God's Word? Somebody take a guess. Just throw it out there. A thousand? A thousand? Anybody else want a couple more guesses? 1,500. 1, okay, getting up there a little bit. Do I hear 2,000? No. <laughs> in the most well-known detailed study in the Word of God of the promises of God, there are literally, get this now, 8,810 promises in the Bible, God's Word. That's incredible to me. I don't know where they all are. They're not all in my little promise book, so there's even more than that. But that is just incredible to me that, that again, page after page in the Word of God, if we're looking for them, we're going to find the promises of God. What about the words in Philippians 4, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God, And then there's a promise. What is it? And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, does not sit in the seat of scoffers, does not walk in the path of sinners. But what? His delight is where? In the law of the Lord. And in his law, he does what? He meditates day and night. Then the promise. He shall be like a tree planted firmly by the streams of water. His leaf does not wither. Uh, uh, When the storms come, he remains strong. And in whatever he does, the promise says he what? He prospers. Promise after promise in the word of God that we can embrace, that we can anchor on no matter what. Jesus said, come unto me. All who are, what? Weak and heavy laden. Have you felt a little weak and heavy laden lately? And what? I will give you what? There's a promise. I will give you rest. Look for the promises of God. Not for all the advice of people. Not for all the political things going on. Not for all the the, uh, opinions of the world. But in the midst of uncertain times, God always keeps his promises, so look for the promises of God. Next, in the most threatening times, have you had some threatening times? God can turn even our feeble steps of faith into the sound of what? A mighty army. Now, we just need to kind of imagine these lepers for a minute, okay? First of all, let's remember that we're all spiritual lepers, right? That the Bible says we've fallen short of the glory of God because of what? Because of sin in our life. There's a verse from, from uh, Romans 5 that says, uh, For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet what? Sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God. Through him. Not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received the reconciliation. So, spiritually, we're all lepers. We have this disease called sin. And thank God, praise be to God, that God provided a sacrifice, that God provided a way for us to escape his wrath against sin. That's through my personal faith and trust in in Jesus Christ as my Savior, inviting Him into my life and receiving God's gift of eternal life and God's gift of forgiveness from sin. And so as a spiritual leper, I know where my healing is. Imagine these lepers uh, just kinda trying to get a picture of what happened. Here these four guys are sitting at the gate thinking you know we're gonna die. Because if there is any food at all in this city, they're not going to give it to us. We'll be the last ones to get it. We have no money, we have no hope, we have no answer to our bleak situation. And we know that if we sit here, if we keep on doing what we're doing, we're going to die. If we march to the cap of the Arameans, they'll either kill us or they'll have mercy on us. So what do we have to lose? Now, I'm not saying that our steps of faith ought to be according to those four lepers. I mean, God does not call us to live our lives saying, well, I'll just do this because I have nothing to lose. God is calling us to live the kind of life where our steps of faith are. If I'm obedient in this way, I know that God is reigning over this. I know that God will give me the answer, so I'm not afraid to step into the uncertainty. Instead of stepping away from the threatening time, in faith, I step into that threatening time. The Word of God tells us in Second Corinthians, Therefore, be always of good courage, knowing that while well we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. So faith is stepping into the circumstance, knowing that when I step into the circumstance, I find God there where he's always been. I find his truth. I find the hope that he has for me. I find the answers that I'm looking for because I'm walking by faith, not by sight. Well, remember that these four men had leprosy. And they weren't the guys just kind of skipping around or running all over the city. They were stuck by the gate, barely able to even walk. And so when they were marching to the camp of the Arameans, they were marching bravely, right? They were skipping along merrily, right? No, they were something like this. Making their way the very best way they could. Probably making all kinds of noise along the way. And it took them a long time to get to the camp but they were taking steps the very best they knew how. And God turned their steps, crippled, crazy, noisy, and it's good they were noisy because God did what? He turned the noise that they were making into the sound of what? A mighty army. The king of the Arameans says, it sounds like the king of Israel has got all the great armies all together and here they are coming after us. Let's get out of here. Is it possible that when we truly walk in faith, God can do something with all the craziness in our life? God can do something with all the crippleness in our lives, if you will? And when it comes to standing against the enemy who is so active in our world today, all around us, even more every day, and we see even contempt coming against the the word of God and the people of God, the church of God. This promise, I think, is telling us that when we are obedient in the Lord, he does what? He multiplies our obedience into something very powerful. We we are sitting right here in the place of the two most greatest powers in the world. You know what they are? The Word of God and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom Jesus said, even the gates of hell cannot prevail against you. Let's not forget that the greatest powers in all the world have always been the word of God, the people of God, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we don't need to fear, do we? We need to believe that God will multiply our steps of faith into the sound of a mighty army. So the Bible calls us to walk by faith. And I want to share just along this line a couple of things that I've been learning, I think more recently in my own life, about walking in faith. Here's the first one. Sometimes walking in faith is really all about just knowing the next thing and taking the next step. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life that I made the mistake of saying, OK, God, I'll do this, but give me the blueprint. Show me how it all works out. And then, God, then I'll step out in faith and all the time God's saying, well, that's not faith. Sometimes all God really shows us is what? The next thing, the next step. I think about Abraham. God came to this pagan man who at first didn't even know the true God to say, I want you to leave everything you have and I want you to go to a land that you know not of. Didn't even tell him where he was to go. He told him that he would have a son in their own age, and they were in their 90s by then. And, and it was so extraordinary that his wife laughed out loud. That's why Isaac's name means laughter. And they waited another 10 years even before the son was born. So here we are, here they are in their late 90s when the son of promise actually comes. And they were, had already messed it up by the handmaiden of Abraham, Hagar. But yet God kept his promise and he just all along the way kept showing them the next thing. He finally had his son that he waited for all these years. And what did God do? I want you to take your son up on this mountain and sacrifice him to me. And we know the rest of the story, that Abraham was obedient to do that next thing and God provided the sacrifice and that was one of the very earliest pictures of of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, coming to be our sacrifice for all time. But all Abraham ever knew really was the next thing. And all he ever did was to walk in faith and to do the next thing. I wanna encourage us today and those times in our life that are threatening to just not try to figure it all out, but to anchor on the truth that God is in the midst of this, that he is great in the midst of this. He always does what? He always keeps his promises. So God, show me what is the next step I need to take in this circumstance? What is the next thing I need to do? And I want to be faithful and obedient to do it. And what happens? What happens? He turns my feeble steps of faith into the sound of a mighty army. What's the message here for the church today? The greatest power on earth, along with the word of God, as we stand against evil, as we stand against darkness, as we don't just push back darkness, but we dispel darkness with the gospel of light, with the love of God, even our feeble, what seems to be our feeble steps of faith, God can multiply into the sound of what a great mighty army and the world's going to say, wow, those people have something. You know, it's kind of like the saying is, it's not about you being afraid of Satan. It's about Satan, the evil one, being afraid of you. Is the evil one afraid of the church today that is on the move, that is on the march, that God is multiplying our steps of faith in the sound of a mighty army. Here's the next thing. Walking in faith is about doing that next thing, taking that next step. This just happened actually last week to me, and, and uh, I know Tom and Barbara are familiar with this. Our church has been very gracious, as I mentioned earlier, in helping us plant a new work in Winkleman, Arizona, of all places. They to lived there a long time ago, so. so it's close to my heart. For a long time, we couldn't get anybody to take the deed of this building. I needed a church, an organization to take over the deed. We raised all the money that we needed, actually about half, and the owner came back and said, well, I'll I'll just take what you have, you don't have to raise any more money. There's a Christian pregnancy center that meets there. He says, give them free rent, which we were going to do anyway, and you won't have to raise any more money. So we got the building for half of what we were expecting. But I couldn't get anybody to take the deed, and they had other buyers for the building. I thought, you know, it would just be so great if we had this building for a church. Well, so I kind of kept asking, you know, kind of kept trying to fix how many times instead of walking in faith have you just kind of tried to get in God's way, not in God's will, you try to fix it. So I got a church that said they would take the deed. But right after they said that, in my heart I knew this was not the right group, not the right church not the right direction that we needed to go. And so when I shared this with that pastor, he was very upset. You said that we could do this, now you're taking it back, now you're pulling the rug out from under us, and that just made it worse. And so just Saturday, just uh, Friday, I was having lunch with my youngest son, and we we were studying together, which we do once a month, from the book of James. And we were talking about wisdom how we need to seek wisdom. Remember James says, consider it all joy, my brothers, when you go through various trials. It's for your endurance. It makes you stronger and all that. But in the very next verse, you remember what he says? If you lack what? Wisdom, ask of God before you do anything else. In that moment, God just, it's one of those moments you have where God just speaks to you and maybe, maybe slaps you up the side of the, your head for a minute and says, that's what you were lacking. You never ask for wisdom. You ask for help, you ask for an answer, but you never ask for wisdom. And in that moment, God told me three things that were an answer to the whole situation. Tell this pastor that it's the wrong building because it was the wrong building for them, wrong strategy and wrong timing because this pastor has been very sick and doesn't need anything else on his plate. And those things just stuck in my mind, and he says, okay, now you go out to your car and you call him. And I did. And I told him, wrong building, wrong strategy, wrong timing. And what do you think he said? I agree completely. I was afraid that I had offended you. I said, I was afraid I had offended you. And all of a sudden, everything was just fine. What a difference it makes In the midst of a threatening time, when I take those steps of faith, that first I do what? Ask for, seek after what? Wisdom from God. God, what are you doing in the midst of this thing I'm going through? What are you trying to show me about yourself? What what direction and answer are you giving me? God, help me not to be in your way, but to be in your will. Help me to see the answer you've given me. And and when we seek after wisdom, what a difference it makes in our circumstance. So walking in faith is all about taking the next step, doing the next thing. Walking in faith is, is all about seeking after the wisdom of God on the front end, not later on when we wish we had. Well, let's go to the third thing. In the most trying times, have we had some trying times? God turns our emptiness into fulfillment. So when the four leprous men arrived at the camp of the Arameans, they were still empty, right? They were still hungry. But they found everything left there, just as it was, and they had more food, more water, more money, more what you name it, than they could ever even imagine. I think the lesson here, though, is not this prosperity kind of gospel teaching that says, you know, if you, if you just have faith, God's going to give you everything you want. All the food you want, all the money you want, all the houses you want, or whatever. That may be true of the people who are preaching that, but it's not true of many of us. I think we need to see the blessings of God for what they are. The greatest blessing of God may be the strength he gives me in that circumstance. The greatest blessing of God may be the wisdom he gives me that I never would have gained if I were not in that trying time. The greatest answer may be what it is that I need to take away from that situation that I will never forget and that will help me grow forever. I'm going to think next time about seeking God's wisdom. And so we gather some, some gems of wisdom and we hold them together. I've got my little bag of wisdom gems here. And next time I'm faced with a situation, I know where to go and what to think. And so the blessings of God very often come in that way. And then it says that the lepers went and the people later came out and they took advantage of the, what, the spoils of the enemy. What are the spoils? All the things left behind, right? So as I go through a trying time, what is it that's left behind? What is the spoils of what I've gone through that I can take, and that would be my filling, my blessing, my empowering? Those are the kind of blessings that we need to look for. Here's the last thing. God always keeps his promises. God turns our feeble steps of faith in the sound of a mighty army. He turns our emptiness into fulfillment. Lastly, in the most hopeless times, God desires to make his blessing and his message known. What was the first thing the lepers did when they discovered that everything was left there? Tell me. Did you read on a little further? They took it and what? And they hid it. And then they went back and did what? They took some more. And they hid some more. You know, it makes me think sometimes about what I do with the greatest hope, the greatest answer, the greatest power, greatest witness God's given me as a follower of Jesus. How many times, having taken that, do I do what? I hide it. I bury it. No one sees it. You know, there are very few believers in Christ that ever lead personally, directly, another person to Christ because their faith and their testimony is so hidden. And they have the great, we have the greatest testimony in all the world. We deceive ourselves in thinking, you know, I need to know more about the Bible. I need to know answers to people's questions. No. All I need to know is that what Jesus did for me What only he can do and ask that person, wouldn't you love to see Christ Jesus do the same thing for you? If I don't have the answer, because many times I don't, I just say, I don't know. I'll try to figure out the answer, but there's a lot of things about God I'm still trying to figure out. But I do know this. I do know what Lord Jesus did for me. I know how he changed my life forever. And I know he can do the same thing for you. And so it's interesting, isn't it, that these four lepers, after they had buried and hid everything, they said what to themselves? Two things. First, they said, this is not a good thing. Actually, they said three things. This is not a good thing. Today is a day of good news, and we must go and tell the people. Those are exactly the three things I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to us. The three things that I need to realize in the times that I'm tempted to bury my faith in my witness to say, this is not a good thing. This is not of God. This, this is not of God's will. This is not being in the middle of God's purpose. This is a day of what? Good news. Because people are hearing bad news all the time, every day, all day. People want to hear, folks, they really want to hear some good news. And what greater news can we share than the message of the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he can do in people's lives in the midst of this? And then we have to realize and say to ourselves, I've got to go tell somebody. i got to tell somebody. I can't bury this. I can't put my light under a bushel like Jesus talks about. I've got to let it shine. And, you know, going back to this real quick. Some of the talk today, some of the terminology that we use today is about the church, and I hear it more, I guess, in some of my circles, is about the church pushing back darkness. That sounds good till you think about it. But the problem is that when you push back darkness, it only gets what? Darker. Our mission, our purpose in telling the good news of Jesus is not about pushing back darkness. It's about doing to darkness what light does to darkness. What happens to the darkness in a room when you switch on the light? It goes away, dispels the darkness. You see, our message is so great, the power of the Holy Spirit in and through us is so great, that we're called to go into the world, not to push back to darkness, but to literally, awesomely dispel the darkness in the world. Because that's what the light of Jesus in and through his people does. Well, here are the promises and truths that we can anchor on today. That in the most uncertain times, God always keeps his promises. Amen. So glad he does, aren't you? that in threatening times, God turns even my feeble steps of faith into what? The sound of a mighty army. In the most trying times, God turns my emptiness into fulfillment. And in the most hopeless times, God desires to make, through me, his blessings and his message known. So we're a lot perhaps more like these four lepers than we realize. If we keep on doing perhaps what we're doing, our faith will continue to get cold, perhaps even die. But if we can realize that God has a whole nother purpose, a whole nother will for us, a whole nother way for us, and to obediently walk in that way, claiming his promises, taking each step of obedience that God leads me to take, and and getting the spoils from all those blessings, and just having that desire that That passion to tell people about Jesus. Folks, we're going to change the world. the, The world of these people in Samaria was changed that one day in many, many ways. And the only way our world is going to be changed is for us to be that those faithful people, believing God, walking obedient with him, And always looking for ways to shine the light in the world. Amen. Let's pray together. As we close our service today. I'm going to ask you if you could just maybe kind of close your eyes and bow your heads for a moment. And as you just let this picture kind of flow through your mind, almost like a movie. And as you ask the Lord God today, God, speak to me about what it is you want me to see and what it is you want me to do. Take a moment right now to just look for the promises of God. God, I, I need a promise today. Tell me about one of your promises that I can just take hold of today and know that it's true and know that, know that it's changing me. Lord God, what is that, that next step of faith I need to take? Am I being careful to seek wisdom from you as I Take that step. God, am I taking your blessings and doing everything I can with them and getting everything I can out of them? And God, am I making a difference by telling the good news every day? For many of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ, that would be our prayer. There may be even one of us here today that's never come to that place in our life of giving our life completely to the Lord Jesus and realizing that greater than this gift that God gave to the lepers and the people of Samaria is the greatest gift of all that God gives to me through Jesus Christ and the gift of eternal life. Today, my prayer would be, God, come into my life. Lord Jesus, I claim you as my personal Savior and Lord. And I want to walk with you. I want to be on a new journey from this day forward. A journey that will lead to victory, a journey that will lead to hope, a journey that along the way that I will experience all the things that we've been talking about today. Friend, that journey begins in your personal relationship with Jesus Christ.